Any uh, any criers in the room? Come on, come on, criers. Yeah, yeah. You did you did way better than in the first service. There's like one lady. I'm like, come on, and then like sheepishly, like 30 more hands, like just went up. Uh, my my best friend, as uh, my childhood best friend, uh, his mom, she 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 would she would cry on like the drop of a, a dime. I remember watching uh, TV with my friend one day and a gas station commercial came on and we looked over and his mom was crying <laughs> because there was, it was like a family road trip and that just choked her up. We mocked her terribly. I, I, looking back, I feel really bad. She obviously, like, that was a motive. Um, and if you've heard me preach very much, you assume I'm a crier because I do get, I get choked up frequently when I get to preach the gospel. Um, actually, off the stage, I'm like as tough as nails. <laughs> Always. And you, you laugh at that. Uh, it's a really interesting little study. Like if you read the four gospels, tears everywhere. A lot of crying going on in the gospels. Uh, for example, there's a man named Jairus and he, he, his little girl is sick. And they send for Jesus. And by the time Jesus gets there, this little girl is, has died. And, and the scene that he finds as he approaches their home is a family wailing, weeping. And then Jesus steps in and heals, raises the little girl. Jesus is at a dinner party. And uh, for some reason, the host has failed to wash Jesus' feet, which was customary. And then, perceived by this dinner crowd, uh, a great sinner came in to the room, and she knelt at the feet of Jesus, and she washed Jesus' feet, but with her tears. At the feet of her Savior, her weeping was so great that the tears cleansed Jesus washed Jesus' feet clean and then she took her hair and dried them off. A few days after the the text we're going to look at for a few moments uh, this morning, there will be a group of women at the foot of the cross weeping for Jesus. But there's another theme about crying in the Gospels and that is God cries. Did you know that? God cries. A couple instances are recorded in the Gospels to show that. Um, Jesus had these friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. Lazarus has then died. And a few days later, Jesus shows up. They send word to Jesus that Lazarus died. And when he gets there, he finds people mourning. In John 11, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, that's the sister of Lazarus, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then it tells us Jesus wept. What's fascinating about that is that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. But before he does, he sits in the grief of others with them. 
He feels the realities of a fallen, sinful, death-saturated world and joins them in their grief and weeps as well. And then he walks in and raises Lazarus. And in our text this morning, we see God the Son in all his deity and all his glory. We see him again cry. Luke 19, starting in verse 41, says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. In Luke's gospel, Jesus foretells his death three times with precise accuracy. Like, like Jesus knows exactly what's awaiting him in Jerusalem. He knew the character of those who lived in Jerusalem, their cruelty, their self-righteousness, their stubbornness, their prejudice against the truth, the prideful hearts. He saw it all as he looked out at the city. He knew what they were going to do to him in a few days, the betrayal, the unfair trial, the flogging, the crucifixion. He saw it all as he looked out at that city. And yet he pitied them. He saw the city and wept over it. The word used here for weep in the original language literally means wailing or sobbing. Maybe it's known in your house as the ugly cry, like, like the full-on cry. Like There's not just a couple teardrops trickling from Jesus' face. He's looking over this city that's rejecting him, and he's wailing, he's sobbing, he's weeping over them. And as he's wailing, he goes on to say, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. What's he talking about? Jerusalem means city of peace. Those in the city of peace, though, had missed what made for peace. The nation was missing the point. See, Jesus came to bring peace. Ephesians 2 tells us Jesus himself is our peace. The long-awaited Messiah came performing miracles like they'd never seen before and speaking words of truth like they'd never heard before, and yet he was rejected. To miss Jesus is to miss the time of visitation, as verse 44 puts it, and the things that make for peace. And and that's not just true of Jerusalem. It's true of anybody who misses the point, who, who, who misses Jesus. It's true of those in the church. It's true of churches. It's true of everyone, each of us, who missed the point about Jesus. See, Jesus came to bring salvation and reconcile us to God and therefore make peace in our hearts, like make us right with God. Jesus came to do that for us. 
But if we don't recognize what makes for peace and place our faith and trust in what makes for peace, we'll miss it too. So like, like we, we can do church, you know? We, we, we can talk about being centered on the gospel and rooted in the Bible. But if we as a, a, a church corporately and we as those in the church individually, if we do not rest in Jesus, if we do not trust in Jesus, place our faith in Jesus, find our peace there, we too miss the point. When Jesus comes to us, He comes to bring us back to God that we might have peace with God. He comes to give us, you, peace. Now, did you you know that you can have peace inside, that you can have that peace inside and weep over your city? Jesus did. In fact, There might actually be something wrong in the heart of the person who claims to have the peace of Christ but never seems to have the tears of Christ. That may not be peace, but but indifference or or hard-heartedness. Jesus weeps for the city. Jesus weeps for cities and communities and, and nations. I I find when when my soul lacks peace. I lack a compassion for others. But, but, but in those times, they're more rare than I would like, but in those times where I have this settled peace in my soul, that I am in right relationship with God, I have an ability, a framework to be compassionate for others. Look, at, look we may shed tears, We may experience feelings of pity, but here's the question. Are they for others or just for ourselves? Uh, Jean-Baptiste Clements wrote it this way. I'm not hard-hearted, far from it. Full of pity on the contrary and with a ready tear to boot only. My emotional impulses always turn toward me. My feelings of pity concern me. It is not true, after all, that I have never loved. I conceived at least of one great love in my life, of which I was always the object. When was the last time you were moved to tears? Now, I know some of you in the room, especially some of you guys, are like, how long are we going to talk about tears here, right? But when was the last time that you were moved to tears? But here's a better question. When was the last time you were moved to tears for others? Like, because of their broke, not, not, not how it affected you, not, 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 not the repercussions it may have had on you, but, but simply seeing someone like Jesus would approach weeping people and weep for them. Does your heart yearn with compassion and care for others? If Jesus, who would be crucified at their hands, could feel tenderly towards those who don't know Jesus, so should we. Hearts full of compassion and even eyes filled with tears for our city, for our country, for the nations. 
Jesus goes on again as he weeps and says in verse 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. The pronouncement of Jesus here is why Jerusalem faced judgment a few decades later, less than 40 years later, when it was overthrown and destroyed in AD 70 under the Roman general Titus. The Romans occupied and destroyed Jerusalem, including the temple, and yes, no stone was left unturned. And the reason that Jesus pronounces judgment is because the Messiah had come, the saving one, the one their scriptures pointed to, and they missed him. Jesus walked among them. The Messiah, the Son of God, visited them, ate with them, displayed the most incredible miracles and healings anyone's ever seen, preached the most wonderful things that have ever been preached, the clearest calls to repentance and faith that have ever been spoken came from the lips of Jesus. And it seems unimaginable that anyone that anyone would deny him, but they did. They did not know the time of their visitation. They did not recognize Jesus for who he was, and they did not worship him as such. And this is what brought God to tears. There's an an ignorance that's innocent, and then there's an ignorance that's culpable, you know? They rejected God's rescue mission that would make them right with God and bring them peace, and that was their chief sin. And we find ourselves in that exact same precarious and and dangerous place if we don't respond to the convictions that God places on our hearts or respond to the, the, the screaming of our consciences. Jesus said earlier in Luke's gospel, just really plainly, just really straight, unless you repent, you will perish, Jesus said. If we deny Christ and do not bend our will to his, God will at some point grant us our desire to reject him and the time of visitation in our lives will be gone. It's put put later in the New Testament. It's called the day of salvation. It is here now for us to receive and respond to. But the time of visitation is limited. These are hard words to hear judgment pronouncements from the lips of Jesus. But when you you reflect on Jesus' pronouncement of judgment, don't forget the tears. And don't forget the cross. See, this judgment that would lead Jerusalem to be destroyed is also the judgment that sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus would soon wipe his eyes, walk into the city, and take up his cross. Jesus took the destruction upon himself in that act, so we need not be destroyed. As our holy, righteous, just God, he must hold unlawful sinners to account. And yet, as our compassionate, loving, gracious God, he took our sins upon himself and died in our place. 
so that through faith in Jesus, crucified, uh, buried, and raised, which we will celebrate on Sunday, so that through faith in Jesus, we have peace. All the righteous anger and judgment of God towards sinful humanity is satisfied in the self-giving act of Jesus punished in our place. So when you reflect on Jesus' pronouncement of judgment, don't forget the tears. And don't forget the cross. What we discover is that those who reject Christ face judgment but not from a cold, vindictive God, but rather a God of deep compassion and self-giving love through tears and via the cross. Do you know him? Have you received him? Have you come to that place where you fall at the foot of the cross? And lay your sins bare, lay your soul bare, and give your life to Jesus. Have you discovered the peace that he brings, the way he satisfies a soul and works from the inside out to settle and bring peace in all aspects of our lives? I, I just invite you. This is the moment. This is this is the time of his visitation. This is the day of salvation. Jesus wept over you and Jesus died for you that you might have peace. Let's pray. Jesus, on this day of days, we thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for weeping over the city. And just like after Lazarus had died, it wasn't a helpless weeping. It wasn't a selfish weeping. You wept over the same city that you would then die for and make a way for reconciliation to happen in lives. And and we are meant to hold those in tandem. We we, We are meant to come and receive the gift of our compassionate God who weeps over us and dies for us. And Jesus, for those of us who have come to receive that, who who truly believe that, Lord, I just pray that you would well our eyes with tears on occasion for the hurts that surround us. And that we would point them to the cross where every sin was paid for, where your finished work was done, where hope can be found and peace everlasting. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross.